All right, uh, we are live. Hi everyone, I am very, very excited to host Sasha Belitskaya, co-founder of iHeartBlog. And if if you have checked out iHeartBlog, like I love the projects they have developed, like it's very radical and state-of-the-art work. So I really admire their work and I'm very excited to know more about the journey. Thank, thanks a lot, Sasha, to be on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So, Sasha, can you uh, share like some highlights from your career till date, how you started from undergraduate to this day? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I studied architecture bachelor at the University of Dundee in Scotland, and it was quite a, a traditional uh, approach to architecture. So kind of hand-drawn drawings, um, planning, permission, stuff like this. And at some point it wasn't enough. Uh, so I wanted to pursue something more experimental and radical. So I went to study masters at um, University of Applied Arts in Vienna at Studio Greg Lang. And there I started discovering more about the immersive um, technologies, computational design and stuff like this. So it was a very kind of big range of um, innovative uh tools that i was exposed to and i was really um i got really interested in the extended reality and at that point uh, uh me and my two colleagues formed a hard blob in studio building we, um yeah we started uh yeah at some point education wasn't enough so we wanted to explore something together like research projects competitions like what what's in there for architecture and we started as uh, everydays actually uh, on Instagram. It was kind of a big thing back then. And it was kind of like a tool of uh, exploration for us as researchers, architects, students to explore these ideas in a format of one day uh, projects. So it was a very quick turnaround, um, design, render, and write a piece of theoretical text and share it with the community, get feedback, and just <laughs> continue kind of on a repeat. So that was a really cool kind of charrette um, approach to um, projects and our practice, and we kind of kept it up till uh, now. Um, over the years, we kind of got opportunities to exhibit at some museums, do invited exhibitions, uh, some paid projects, and yeah, we kind of moved more, more into like uh, bigger projects, so like uh, urban, uh, urban kind of art public pieces with um, technology with it. So, uh, a typical project would be an installation, a colorful installation, like a beacon, uh, where people come towards it and are able to take the phone out, scan it, and see additional content. So, uh, yeah, trying to bridge the gap uh, between architecture and technology, that would be our uh, statement, I would say. I That's see. where like, we are now. That's quite interesting. And like I was checking out your work and your interest uh, was also lies in like in uh, gaming technology, computer graphics. So I'm curious to know what's your design philosophy? Yeah, I was uh, exploring this in a lot of detail during my master's uh, for my kind of diploma project, the final project. 
So my idea was, uh, or my thesis was that we don't need a master architect anymore. Like the community knows what it wants itself, we just need to provide tools for it. So what I've done is designed a multiplayer game environment for people uh, to design cities, for non-architects to design cities. And yeah, at the final stage, it was uh, at the point where I was able to do a testing of three people, non-architects. It was a graphic designer, um, a publicist, and a fashion designer, I think. And they were able to use my tool and to actually design these shapes. And uh, the cool thing about the gaming technology was actually I was able to control what uh, what tools uh, they would be using and introduce this logic of uh, decision making, like real time decision making. So one person was able to create a shape or delete a shape, not only his shape, but other people's shape. So in theory, um, the majority <laughs> would win always, which I think would um, work the best. It's kind of like a real-time voting thing on design. And yeah, I believe uh, this gaming philosophy works very well with within architecture discourse, especially now with the AR, VR, NFTs, and this desire to get rid of the master architect. I see. And can you please elaborate on the implementation, like what were the software and tools you used? Yeah, so I used Unity as a gaming engine and for the multiplayer, I had uh, I tried various systems and it was never stable enough. So in the end, I uh, finalized it on using Photon. And again, <laughs> it did not work um, as uh, the same um, in the same kind of environment all the time so it was not consistent but it worked nice. and also like it's a thesis project so you have like time constraint and resource oh, constraint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely but it worked as a prototype so that was the main point kind of like a mvp <laughs> <laughs> i see and can you share like how was your learning journey into this mixed reality systems like how did you prepare yourself yeah so we were introduced actually at studio greg lang like with this one week workshop into unity and euphoria and it was uh, yeah it was very intense it was really hard to actually comprehend when you not thought of this before so like it was early 2016 and yeah, it was very early doors. It was Holland's one kind of era. And yeah, it was quite slow, uh, kind of rough start. Like it's not like something you can start using at that time. So the way we kind of went into it, we decided, okay, we want to explore what is there uh, for architecture in there. Like what is the potential? So we decided, okay, we'll take this approach of every days and we will apply it in with this augmented reality um, tool set. So we decided, okay, we're gonna do um, one app every day, like one project every day, post it on Instagram, write a theoretical text. So the same kind of workflow, but with AR and Unity. 
and it was a, a pretty amazing kind of result because at first we we weren't fast like it, it would take a while <laughs> to make something but in the end we, you learn a lot and you learn the limitations and you learn what the possibilities are the material materiality shaders stuff like this so yes in the end uh was working very well and of course over the years technology evolved especially in ar and yeah we tested uh a lot of different packages for augmented reality uh Vuforia, Vicitude, um air foundation uh even yeah we started doing spark ar or lens so <laughs> whatever technology is there we are testing it and seeing how it can be implemented in, in architecture yeah and like i must admit when i was going through the projects of i had love like you guys are, are very experimental in in the approach you're always trying and testing new things so uh what has been the most challenging part about this development well probably definitely would be the back end uh challenges as we are all designers and architects and yeah we didn't start studying with this mindset of developer and coders which i think is an advantage um but still it, it is a very steep learning curve for people with uh this more designer kind of um mind <laughs> mindset mm -hmm. so yes back end would always was always kind of um hardest part for us especially if it's something something we've not done before and it something that has to work right so uh yeah we had a few projects applications where uh, it would be something connected with the cloud system or like uploading images so stuff like this would all is always hard but um eventually we uh, kind of figure things out <laughs> as the community online is really good got it and uh, for a particular project, like how is the ideas and brainstorming session look like? Mm -hmm. Well, yes. So usually it's, yeah, as you can imagine, as a brainstorm is like throwing ideas out there, uh, finding reference images or like what, what we think the project should look like, what it should do. And we always try to, in a, in a, all new projects we try to implement something we are interested in at that moment so as an example right now a hot topic is nfts and it's also a hot topic for us and we're really interested in yeah theoretical implementations for architects and for industry so for the latest project which we designed was uh, tab 2022 where we actually took second place, but <laughs> oh. we, uh, yeah, the full conceptual idea was having um, an NFT approach to design. So again, for the gamification and everything, we wanted to provide this app for to people which would design blocks. So it would be simple kind of voxel design blocks. So they would design and they would mint it. And this way they would also pay for it so it would be 
crowdfunded, crowdfunded, and they would hold value of that block. So eventually, when the pavilion would be built, um, it would be owned by multiple people. It would be designed by multiple people, which they also would be able to hold value and be able to uh, be resold. Um, yeah. <laughs> that that's super super interesting. Like I I, I was. I'm following a similar project where they are using NFT to start a coffee chain from the fundraise through the uh -huh. uh, in the treasury. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, what stage are you in that project? It's super interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we lost the competition, <laughs> but uh, we we are looking into other ways to um, kind of fund it. So we still need to develop the platform if we want to proceed and yeah find a place where to actually <laughs> execute it but we're in the process of talking with uh, a few museums and organizations but let's hope <laughs> it will yeah I, built. I think like it's a great idea and like uh, it would be uh, amazing if we can build and offline i think we should definitely chat about with because our arch architecture DAO would be interested in some collaboration but uh, that's yeah. another topic <laughs> <laughs> sure so, so um my last question before we go into the detailed uh journey is a lot of these technologies like uh, with ar vr and also with nft how do you deal with uh, like a uh, technological barrier and awareness aspect and education aspect? So um, you mean if we don't know something, um, yeah, how you learn? Um, no, uh, or... not for you, for the community. Like if if they don't know, like how do you teach them? Yeah. Oh right. Um... Well, social media is, the, is a good tool for raising awareness of these new technologies. So it's a good point that not many people know what NFT is still. And it could get quite confusing, like why does an image or something hold value? You can just download it, right? So it, it does get tricky, but um, I think if you keep speaking about it and sharing your knowledge and projects, eventually it will get adopted as anything as AR is getting adopted right now by the masses. Got it. Yeah. And I, I think this is a great time to go to do a deep dive about what is uh, how, how I had blob started. Yeah. Just going to share my screen. Can you see it? Yep. So I might just scroll through some slides as I already talked <laughs> a lot about it. Mm -hmm. But yes, these are us, these are us, three co-founders, me, Sean, and Ben. Yes, we started in a in our studio <laughs> during mm -hmm. our masters, where we pretended we have an, had an office at our desks. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, we started with a hundred every days, which quickly grew out 1000 and counting. And at some point, yes, one of the seasons we explored these hyper realistic, but at the same time, these surreal architectural forms. So we're really interested in rendering and um, architectural abstract forms. 
Oh yeah, some we're also interested in AI technologies, and at some point we designed so many <laughs> objects that we decided to train uh, an AI on them. That's what came out. It's quite blurry, but <laughs> it's a start. So maybe in the future we don't need to design it. Let's see. That's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. And these are the augmented reality pieces we deployed in, uh, in the streets in different cities around the world. And this set is quite early, I think 2016, where we're actually, it was quite funny. Um, AR was still really early, so it would only work with a tracker, right? So we would we would have to hold a tracker first to initiate AR and then quickly quickly take the tracker away so it would appear as if it's there. So it was kind of like tricking the technology. <laughs> and yes, we started exploring also Spark AR and Lens Studio and what it uh, becomes when our face becomes the initial geometry and it's also architecture as not everybody will agree but we think it is and more like kind of recent and uh, more serious projects if you may say have some physical manifestation to it as well one of them is um, blob house in vancouver and it was a house shape <laughs> which uh, people were able to scan and see these 2D um, ornaments come into life uh, in 3D, basically. So that was quite a, a cool location uh, just in front of this museum, this uh, colorful <laughs> house. It's beautiful. <laughs> it was quite interesting. Wish we could, could have seen it in real life, but it was pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the interesting thing that the way we designed it is we had to kind of unwrap the house shape and design in 3D first. So it was all three dimensional, it had depth, and then we rendered it. So it became 2D, which is uh, limitations of the project. So we only could print on um, paper, but nevertheless, it did have some sort of this 2D aesthetic that this depth, uh, which did become uh, 3D in AR. So we think it's a quite big potential for architecture. So like uh, this project was in Canada and you guys were in Europe. So like, how did the prototype happen and how did you translate that there? <laughs> yeah, it's quite tricky, especially with augmented reality because you can never actually know the end results unless you're there with the physical object. So yeah, we did not have the physical object. So what we had to do, we actually printed this uh, little house, kind of like the shape, so proportions were right. And uh, what we were doing would print as well, like the tracker, put it on top and try to scan it. So your phone would think it's like, it doesn't really matter the proportions for the phone as long as it kind of fits mm -hmm. within the screen and it can read the tracker. So it, it worked quite well. So <laughs> I see. Um, 
And I think these are some videos from which the organizers took for us uh, on, the, on the spot. So yeah, we could explore these kind of the depth, the fake depth, uh, when there's actually no depth uh, concepts and a lot of animating parts. So that was quite interesting. Um, also a similar project, also in Canada, <laughs> uh, noodle mm -hmm. feet where um, these noodles uh, were kind of, uh, they held like a, a function of a rearrangeable furniture, basically. So these kids and people were able to rearrange them. They're actually filled with hay. So, oh. <laughs> so kids would just jump on them, hang around. And we had this web reality application with it where people were able to kind of draw and take pictures and upload it into this uh, in a cloud, cloud of memories. So we kind of had this idea that people would go to this place, take pictures, share the memories and see what other people uploaded. So it was kind of like this three-dimensional <laughs> Instagram, but also localized in that area. Interesting. So that's a kind of short video how it worked. It was quite cold as well, but <laughs> the heat <laughs> kept you warm. <laughs> okay. So uh, one destroyed it. <laughs> like uh, I'm curious to know, like how do you keep the feedback loop? about your implementation so let's say you had the intent for kids and uh what if like a lot of adults like that uh, implementation and like how do you get feedback and improve it in the next project well it's we were actually there so we were able to see how people were behaving and there was a lot of like unexpected uh, behaviors which was really cool mm -hmm. uh, like people were super involved, like they really wanted to move them around, like put <laughs> them into shades, like, uh, yeah, they were really doing it, making them into a furniture. So I think that was, and actually we did not really think that people would jump onto uh. them. <laughs> so that was really unexpected. Uh, and it was really fun. Uh, we tried it as well. It was quite interesting. So. I guess the learning curve would be that sometimes like your users mm -hmm. find these unexpected uses. <laughs> I reckon that would be the lesson we took away from it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, if you want a quick demo, you can scan this for a quick AR. Um, it just visualizes this um, kind of arch. And this is another project, and it's also in Canada. I'm not sure why. Oh. So many, <laughs> so many in um, in Canada. So it's art. Maybe I heard love should have a remote office in Canada. <laughs> I think we're going to do. I mean, we have to. So this is also a kind of public art uh, installation with augmented reality, and. Yes, um, in this case, we used trackers as uh, 
uh, AR initiator. So these uh, arches um, So that no, sorry, that's the construction <laughs> of them. Though it's quite big, I think ten meters, if I'm not mistaken, height. Uh, but the cool thing is that we were able to help the contractors in Canada to place these um, these kind of colorful ornaments with AR. So we're gonna send them this. Oh. Uh, filter, which they were able to put uh, QR code and have the location of these ornaments, like as they're quite simple and uh, symmetrical, we were able to kind of communicate with them across the ocean this way. That's, and uh, I have a question. So yep. when you when you say about tracker uh, in an element, are there like, so one is QR based geo tracker, uh, so what are some and I see in this anime uh, in this project you have like dynamic interaction and animation. So is that like independent of like location or like how do you code that? Well, in this case, as it's image trackers, so it doesn't matter of the location. It's your camera can always needs to look at the tracker to be able to initiate the content. So you basically overlay your image with the animated content uh, on top. So, and it's either playing all the time when it sees the tracker or uh, based on location, if you're closed or not, or if you're inside the trigger system. So yeah, there are different ways, but in this case, it was playing uh, as soon as it scanned the tracker. And you define it in Unity that once you detect this object, do this like code. Yeah, to be honest with uh, AR packages, it's quite simple because it's already uh, pre-coded for you. It doesn't matter which package you choose because image tracker is one of the most basic um, AR systems. So. Mm -hmm. It would be quite uh, you you wouldn't need to like overcode anything just to make it appear or appear being animated got it um. <laughs> i'll do this um this was one of the invited exhibitions in vienna in magazine gallery where uh, we basically had the full kind of gallery to do whatever we wanted. So we decided to have this mixed reality content along, along, uh, along with these in huge inflatables, which were inflating and deflating during the exhibition. And we had these interactive um, application and real-time animation as well. So it was quite fun and interactive and involved the people there in all aspects so we had the physical digital and yeah something in between um that was one of the kind of most fun shows in person where people yeah. were allowed to come <laughs> and touch the technology and i guess one of the coolest thing for me was to um have this these stickers on the wall. Uh, I'm gonna find uh, more detailed um, 
which were communicating directly in, in AR. So if you see here, so there's some sort of pattern here, which uh -huh. would correspond directly in AR, making this illusion of going in and out. So kind of this uh, depth that it wasn't there. So that was uh, one of the you know, approaches to architecture we can take away. So basically, it, uh, the camera scans the image and for all the dark spots, it does extrusions to create the illusion of depth. Yes, pretty much. And yeah, that's how actually camera sees the, and like the world, <laughs> it sees mm -hmm. it in contrasts. So that's why the pattern was so uh, crazy with lots of dots. So the camera would be able to see it even in this badly lit space. Yeah, I must admit that this graphic of like buildings with that animation, it kind of it gives me a feeling of very interesting metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Metaverse before it was metaverse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another kind of entry to an, a gallery which was uh, rendered real time. It was one of the very early animations we've done in Unity. And that's when we kind of we had this revelation that, oh my God, it's so fast and effortless uh, doing real time animations. Why would we bother with <laughs> rendering <laughs> it in Octane or Miri? So we were really impressed with this uh, kind of HDRP system in Unity. Which year was this in? 2017, I would say. Oh. Um, and this also, we kind of pre-coded some behaviors for these blobs. So some of them <laughs> would like follow uh, one or another. And some of them would make sound when they collided with certain objects. So it was really cool and unexpected, like also with the sound um, outputs in the end. That was kind of another piece from the same exhibition. <laughs> kinda, you know how they all have these different behaviors, but they all float around, interact with each other. And yeah, kind of this ecosystem of blobs just <laughs> floating around uh, like you have a very unique aesthetic style like what do you call this style <laughs> i'm not sure if it has a name um i, I like to refer it like digital surrealism or the uh, new digital age or something like this so yeah we go for uh kind of complementary colors uh bright something recognizable mm -hmm. um yeah another cool project is our book which we published um recently or a year ago or two years ago um which also has an augmented reality um experience to go with it. Um, so the book has 300 um, first kind of objects we designed. 
And I think around 20 of them are scannable. Uh, you don't particularly know which ones uh, have AR content. Like it's quite subtle. Like you would get uh, uh, like a colored line whenever uh, there's an uh. object which is scannable. So you don't like, it's not in your face. So the thing with the app is to kind of find these objects as a game. There's like a counter, how many you scanned and how many is left. So it was a it's fun game. experience. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like gamified reading. Pretty much. And we really wanted to introduce this app as like to go with the book as uh, you know, like you can see a physical book being in some way archaic, like dying out as everything is being digital. So we wanted to keep it kind of more up to date. So with the application, we're able to update it whenever we want. Um, it's not like we need to reprint the book. And yeah, I think that's a quick video of the AR app. So all different objects have different types of interactions. So you can either click, kind of zoom in, zoom out, play with it. Sometimes it's not 3D at all. Sometimes it's just a video or it has the fake depth. And yeah, you just need to kind of go and explore it. Different traders. So and like, like when I actually, I was following the launch of the book and I was so much like impressed by the work you have developed in this. And when I just had a thought, like currently we have like a book as a product model, but a book could be as a service model where you could like, since it's exactly. already online, you could like upgrade models with new version and like make it like a lifelong service. Yeah, it's a really cool idea. So it'd be like, like a never ending <laughs> education system. So you just mm -hmm. paid once. That was really interesting. And yeah, another aspect of our work would be educational projects. So we do get involved quite a lot. So I think that this one was one of the very first workshops we've done in Prague University for architects, where we taught them ZBrush and AR. And this was really fun. And yeah, we just continued. Uh, and I think this was last year, we developed this online course, also AR for architects. So students were making uh, kind of this simple app with maybe three scenes where they were able to scan or just rotate around the object. And yeah, it looked like this, <laughs> scan, super simple. Very simple interface, but it kind of gives you this basic introduction to get into the app development because it's not as scary as it seems. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> I guess this is a place where I say that's where we continue working on these kind of competitions, submissions, and urban arts, kind of urban public art projects. Um, and this is our kind of spaces, which is, uh, we minted this city, <laughs> decentralized uh -huh. city as a, an NFT, but you're also able to visit it in the browser. So this is what happens when you go into the spaces.aharblog.com. Uh, 
you can rotate around it, see it animated. You press here on this person running and it initiates the first person uh, experience. So you're able to walk around and just explore the city and you see all this animated content. Um, we went for this uh, cartoonish, uh, toonish <laughs> aesthetics, uh, which we really, really like. Uh, but yes, the idea was to create this space in a city, which is digital, but designed by architects, but also minted in a blockchain that you're able to own and resell as a, as a digital space. So it's, it's almost not even a new idea anymore, uh, but I haven't seen it being implemented as much. So you know how like in the pandemic, everyone had these meetings, uh, everything is on Zoom, and there have been so many uh, these VR spaces popping up, but not many of them um, are designed at all, or I haven't even seen like, be anyone being commissioned to design a space um, for like a special event. So I think it'd be a really uh, good opportunity for architects to tap that market to actually design these uh, spaces for virtual events as we have the knowledge and we have the skill and don't let the um, game designers, for example, to overtake it as they do have a very completely different approach to uh, designer spaces yeah and i must say i i love it and like it's such such a important concept like and it's it's need so when you maintain you mean the whole city or you mean different spaces like there's different nft elements for different spaces we did uh when the full kind of city <laughs> okay, okay but yeah that's a really uh important kind of idea for us. And these are some snapshots from Unity, how like, these spaces kind of were animated. And yeah, more atmospheric shots. <laughs> <laughs> we also did spend some AR um, objects as well. So directly on Hikitnuk where you're able to deploy them right in the browser. So web, web AR is really uh, important and very cool as well. Like eventually, I think we're going to get rid of apps and software and everything's going to be web-based. Mm -hmm. And we are here for it. <laughs> <laughs> you're prepared already. Yeah. And uh, like uh, one thing on the minting side is, uh, like, first of all, like, um, knowing how to mint is important and like, what are some blockchains which are more sustainable, which are less sustainable, but also like, how do you build a community and a following because you need also a collector or someone to buy your artwork. So. Yeah, that's a very good question. And I found like in my personal experience that, uh, for example, like if your community was in the, on Instagram, they're not necessarily going to follow your NFT journey. So mm -hmm. you would just need to kind of communicate with the people who are experienced and kind of follow the craft, <laughs> you know, where the people are. And they happen mm -hmm. to be on Twitter and Discord, which 
is also I am there for it. Like I haven't used Twitter as much before and I don't really know the benefits of it uh, very well. But now I do believe it's an amazing tool for the creators, designers, NFT artists. So yeah, um, you just need to kind of build your almost a new community if you have to. Mm-hmm. But also it's, it's not new. It's kind of like you find someone the same, but you, you wouldn't have found them other way, but they're still also designers, architects and artists. So I'm really happy that <laughs> I did kind of move on from the kind of Instagram for the Instagram. NFTs. Um, this, this is the, our NFT <laughs> fungible, non-fungible pavilion for TAMP. It was a physical model kind of illustrating these 3D blocks that people would design and they would be put together and owned by different people. Um, so this and is the competition you were applying. Yeah. 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 And this is uh, kind of a prototype for the <laughs> minting platform or design platform where you kind of need to have your wallet, you design your block and you mint it. And that's basically job done, <laughs> your own part of it. Um, this is uh, quite a recent kind of workshop for BPRO we've done. And this was one of our students' uh, work, Jill and Jangju. And the point of this workshop was to introduce to uh, Cinema 4D and NFTs. So we wanted to have it at the end of this architectural animated loops. So I think it was quite successful and all students done incredible work. And yeah, it was quite short, one week, but the results were impressive. I'm so happy that you are doing workshops <laughs> and talking spreading more awareness about the nft and showing the whole process like it's, i see I, I hardly see any like voice advocating for this in architecture yeah it's definitely architecture is always kind of behind yeah <laughs> somehow it's like it's too traditional and i guess that's the one of the last slides what we're kind of doing right now we are working on these urban public art installations, projects, and commissions, and to digital commissions as long as well as NFTs and NFT projects. <laughs> it was a great, great walkthrough. Like I'm just awed by the amount of cool projects you have. Like not only like it's very, it has its own uh, purpose and aesthetics. Great job. Thank you. So, uh, my my question would be uh, like having such kind of an experimental studio. Uh, I'm curious to know how do you handle like the business and finance side of it because a lot of time competitions like you get a grant or not, but you also need to survive financially. Like how do you deal? Yeah, still we figure that out with the financial side, but the key is to actually keep track of things and yeah, don't, don't put aside uh, these 
things that's not necessarily the most exciting part, but yeah, don't keep it I up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's challenging to figure out the uh, right model and also you need a partic uh, particular amount of following and yeah, yeah, naming the market to get like regular projects. Exactly. But being active on social media does help, I think, in all industries. It's just like being out there, people know you and they would come with projects to you. Mm -hmm. So kind of marketing marketing <laughs> is, is not being taught very well, but you just need to learn it on the way. <laughs> For sure. And, and who are some artists you follow or you resonate with? Well, I fall a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And I wouldn't say I want to say anyone in particular, but probably one of the biggest inspirations for us, uh, for me, was uh, people like in 2016, where he was keeping oh. up this moment of every days. And I think it's this philosophy of no matter what, you need to kind of produce something today. And I think having this constant deadline every day is very important and actually inspiring i think that's kind of like the what keeps up the process progress like if you do one percent uh, every day it's still better than nothing you know i think that's the <laughs> what inspired me in him i see so like what 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 do you do when you have want some vacation well, then you need to plan ahead and do, <laughs> do more do, on previous days. Do it in advance. <laughs> I see. It's also and, like time management, like in mm -hmm. anything. Like if you if you want to decide, you need to do it. Got it. Yeah. And what's your strategy for work-life balance then? Well. It's, it's interesting, but uh, a lot of things I do for fun, um, like an NFT side of things is definitely, I wouldn't say it's work, even maybe it is, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of things I do, like what I want and what I enjoy. Um, I do a lot of uh, modeling, rendering, uh, stuff like I wouldn't do for work, like it doesn't really bring money and, and uh, first uh kind of iteration <laughs> but i do it and yeah i always would <laughs> uh rest when i need so yeah mm -hmm. stuff like that but it's important to keep uh balance between of those even if it's not easy in architecture <laughs> or architecture school i would say <laughs> probably sure. the most stressful time of architecture <laughs> <laughs> what is your vision for i had blog for 2025 2025 yeah mm -hmm. um so probably having consistent amount of projects um we do want to also be more uh, important in academia so we want to pursue that side as well so having a studio in architecture school would be great as long as having these constant uh, kind of 
flow of uh, projects where we can actually manifest our ideas and technologies we are interested in. That would be it. And an NFT collection, that would be it. <laughs> I heard love NFT, metaverse <laughs> NFT collection would be awesome. Yeah. Yes. And if you have like unlimited time and resources right now, what else would you like to do? NFTs. <laughs> uh, you're very strong on NFT. I, I see that. <laughs> I, I am. Um, yeah, but probably exploring more into the metaverse idea and what it um, holds for architects and kind of human behavior in architecture environment. That would be really cool. Uh, also, maybe research haptics, like, you know, um, uh, how does it feel? Like, are you able to feel things physically? I think that's the missing component of augmented reality, apart from maybe a smell. <laughs> that's the two things would be worth exploring if those unlimited resources. I see. And uh, I would like to know your thoughts on like this issue, which is not being addressed like well in our industry. So like women in tech uh, are very less and women in AC tech is more and more rare. So like what can we do better or what are the ways we can like get more yeah. onboarding? Yeah, it's a very good uh, question because the issue is there. And it's actually quite funny because I did work uh, for a few years like uh, in architecture firms uh, with the computational designers. And there's a lot of women out there. They're just not at the front lines where they, <laughs> they're just not getting represented. So whenever you see someone talking about the technology, uh, it's usually the person is the, is the man who who is the manager mm -hmm. or someone like that so i think women are there but they're behind <laughs> which i think a correct way to do it would be encouraging uh, them to stand up and to participate and at some point maybe have kind of like almost a quota for like 50 50 Mm -hmm. women and men and if it doesn't meet your quota you just need to dig deeper because women are there and they have things to say yeah definitely and like uh i think you pointed out also like in conferences or in panel discussion like that representation is like many times missing oh so. exactly i've seen it so many times and like Kind of on these conferences, you always see the same people presenting, and they're the men in the industry who have the I don't know the history of these talks, and they always kind of say similar things. So at that, at some point, the organizers of these conferences they need to say, okay, we're if we want to invite your company, but someone else needs to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th I think it would be the kind of almost like responsibility of the organizers to deal with it because uh, it's really hard to see how, how else this could be fixed so i would say like a very harsh uh, percentage 50 50 and yeah that, well, that could help so like one is uh representation on like public events 
but also like how can we get like from computational designers to code it like that transition and also like maybe having their own company startups like yeah. are there what how can we do like is there mentoring required or like other kind of workshops i think definitely mentoring but personally for myself i found yeah if i see a woman uh doing this kind of talk or presentation it you can relate much more rather than if it's mm -hmm. a male person so i would encourage having these communities of female orientated uh, kind of computational designers who do the talks and teaching because like sometimes teaching from a male perspective is completely different um than from a female perspective so yeah i think it's much more relatable when it's uh it's a female and like you kind of you kind of think in your head like as a parallel like okay it's possible like if you can do it i can do it <laughs> yeah uh, and also like if you have a role model like you can relate so much more like and like yeah. i i i face this sometimes like if you are in a minority in a conference like it's not that easy sometimes to gel up with all the people there so it's uh, also like we need that uh, easy bridge no definitely i think it would help like actually representation it does help yeah and so i know like there is like women in beam uh, twitter handle and like organization but i haven't come across any like women in ac tech or like women as ac coders so it would be uh, good to have that platform too, I, I guess. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, like being active on social media about this matter also does help. So yeah. Yeah. So my, my la last section is about like advice to people uh, and students. So what is your, uh, uh, from all, your experience in profession and i had blog if someone is interested in ar and mixed reality space what is your piece of advice in terms of technical aspect as well as startup aspect well i think the best advice would be to just start like don't be scared of it and there's so many resources online you just basically <laughs> put it on google how to make my first ar app and it will be there, just follow the steps. It will be one day of pain <laughs> and then it will be mm -hmm. easy, I promise. Um, there's loads of, I think, free workshops um, uh, on this matter as well. So uh, AR, VR, especially right now with the Oculus Quest um, being so accessible, it's also mm -hmm. started being very popular. So there's a lot of resources online and it's not as hard as it seems uh like if you've never touched coding before like if you want a very basic app sometimes you don't even need to touch coding because with the gaming engines and visual scripting it's um it's all adopted or like all these gaming engines are getting adapt, adapt, uh, adapted to the artists to designers to creators that they don't need to go into this back end so i think mm -hmm. that's you just need to start yeah yeah like for 
also like awareness about what's available out there what are the libraries you can integrate instead of like doing it from scratch like uh initially builds up the confidence that okay we can implement this yeah um i think right now wikitude maybe it's a very good platform and they have uh this license for students so you can just start right away uh Vophoria is always great um and they also have some starter uh kind of packets um even unity i think mm -hmm. have some the area package is not as advanced as others but it's simple and it would do the purpose and of course spark ar if you want something fun and simple to visualize your building your object it's really simple to just yeah you can build it within like five minutes and yeah. they have starter packs yeah and one thing like uh i i was looking at spark here they have sometimes uh like creator grant for yeah. like or hackathons also to get like get started or like meet other like-minded people exactly no that's, that's a really cool part that they put so much kind of attention and to involve the community and when they do do that you're going to see the potential of what's possible so i think that's great and architecture is still quite untapped i would say in this space so there's still lots of opportunities i see and uh i'll wrap wrap up the interview with a rapid fire question so you'll have like 10 seconds to answer and like gotta make it brief so it's uh let's do this so which city is in your travel bucket list mm. um tokyo <laughs> okay. i see uh your favorite movie oh my goodness no reservations no reservation. uh any book which made a big impact in your life so many, but most of them are sci-fi, so <laughs> and they're all Russians. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't. You don't recall any one particular book uh, no, from that sci-fi collection? No, I read I read too much, uh, to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't have a favorite though. I see. Uh your role model. Oh that's hard. Oh, you got me on the spot. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say uh, Elon Musk. Can't think of anyone oh. else. <laughs> See, uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Uh, Bugger Mamas. <laughs> And where is it? It's a chain restaurant in, in the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, how does a day in your life look like? Um, get up, go, go to work, make breakfast, go to work. <laughs> and yeah, along the day, do some NFTs, modeling, research. 
uh, lots of inspiration from social media, I would say, um, in terms of graphics and aesthetics. Uh, write down ideas, what I want to do. <laughs> lots of writing and yeah, go on more walks and get back home. <laughs> I see. Is, is I Heard Love planning to write the next book? We're thinking about it. <laughs> I guess it would be NFTs. Uh, don't encourage us. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, uh, which city's culture you like the most? Um, Glasgow. Glasgow. Uh, if like I okay, I, I would ask this first. Like, what are your hobbies? Um, I would say mostly digital arts at the moment. Uh, a big thing. So like VR modeling, uh, sketching, uh, digital painting. So all relations to that and reading. <laughs> that would be two main ones. I see. And is there anything in in your career or your project you wish you would have done differently? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No. I see. And lastly, like. Uh, is there uh, anything which we didn't cover in this interview, but you would like to share the message? Um, no, I think it's quite clear. I think if you want to do something, just go for it. And I would say doing the kind of minimum every day or like 1% better every day uh, would eventually be a huge difference. Thanks. <laughs> And uh, if people are interested in collaboration or research or they have more questions, like how, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, probably on social media, so either on Twitter or Instagram. Quite awesome. Okay, uh, thanks a lot, Sasha. It was a great session. Like <laughs> I admire all of your projects and it was a great uh, time. Like I learned a lot. Thank you so much for having me. You're a great interviewer. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully when you come to Canada next time or US, we'd like to chat about, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah.